Mavs fans and friends. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow coming to you late Saturday night after the Mavericks just defeated the Warriors on national television, 134 to 132. Josh, how's it going? Uh, it is going pretty good. Me and you are both running on fumes, I think, from, from real life. But <laughs> the Mavericks have... This Mavericks game was like smelling salts, I think. I'm pretty... I am pretty aware now that was a ridiculous game and I am just glad that the Mavericks got the win so that we can appreciate the ridiculousness of this game without the impending doom of uh, the Mavericks season that we've been watching so far. Yeah, it's, it's nice because had they lost this game, I think everyone would have been able to just throw their hands up and say, okay, Steph Curry went absolutely bananas. To anybody that has not seen the box score, Steph Curry had 57 points and five assists. He hit 11 of 19 threes and just absolutely went to work in almost every facet of the game. The Mavericks were overcorrecting. They they let him kind of get going early with a couple of really easy good looks, and then they spent the rest of the game hoping and praying that it would not catch up with them. And I think uh, Steve Kerr let the hot hand ride a little too long in the third quarter, and the Mavericks uh, managed to to somehow just sort of keep pace at key points, which is not something that we can say has happened very often this year, and. Even in the fourth quarter, they were up by 10 points at one point, and it felt like one of those Mavericks games. And then they just they, they just frankly managed to hold on on the strength of, of really a combination of, you know, clutch play and then finally, in my opinion, like bounces going their way. Is that, yes. is that ridiculous to say? No, because they, they haven't had a bounce go their way all season. I mean, you could argue maybe they've gotten lucky with uh, in regards to – missing some good players who've sat out like, you know, Victor Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell for two games. They missed Devin Booker one game, but like every that's the season, man. Every team is like, you're very rarely going to go against full strength against the team. I think this NBA season. So they, 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 I'm cool with like, I don't give a damn about that, that missed call and out of bounds because Holy crap, this Mavericks team has needed a break in the worst way. Like who cares, man, just take it and run and take the win. Um, I think something that you just said, you talked about how they kind of weathered the storm and that was the key to the game. Really? Like you think about what's going to be on highlight packages, uh, on YouTube clips. And if you, if you do watch on TV, uh, when you watch replays of this game, you're probably going to see a lot of replays of Steph nailing that ridiculous, you know, 35 footer logo three in the third quarter. Uh, and I think it's really funny that that three pointer, like, you know, and Steph is swagging and, and, you know, the Mavericks are calling a timeout and it's like, oh my God, the Mavericks are finally going to play, you know, a fairly good competitive game. And then they're just going to get waxed by Steph scoring 84 points. That three pointer, <laughs> that three pointer, the Mavericks were still winning. They were up 86, 85 yeah. and the Warriors took like a one point lead for maybe like a minute in the second half. Otherwise, the Mavericks held them off, and they kept building the lead back up to, like, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like, they kept coming, and it was very, like, this game was not a one-possession game uh, too often for what you would see the final score. Like, you think this would just was just a back-and-forth, one team takes the lead, the other team takes it. The Mavericks almost led wire-to-wire, wire, uh, you know, save for, you know, a few spotty moments in the second half. So, 
credit to the Mavericks for not buckling. And when you consider everything they've gone through, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised because at a certain point mentally, you're probably like, dude, what do we have to do to win a basketball game? Like we finally seemingly are doing things. And now Steph is going to drop this mega game against us. Like it, it, Kirk, it felt like this, like it was like, okay, this is just the season from hell. Like nothing's going to go right. Uh, You know, think, you know, things are going to just be bad all the time, but credit to the Mavericks, man. They never let that happen. They never let their heads hang low enough to where they would lose this game, even though they still tried toward the end of the game, but who cares, man, they got the win and they just needed it. They just needed a win. I don't care how they won. And they got it. Well, let me let me read you a pair of stats. One for the Warriors and one for the Mavericks. So for the Warriors, they had Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, and Kent Bazemore shoot a combined 35 from 54 from the field. Dude. Which is horrifying. Dude, they uh, combined for 99 of the Warriors 132 points. I was doing the math earlier. <laughs> and then on the flip side, you have Dallas and our man. Our man Ben, who's doing our stats recap post, just put this together to confirm. The Mavericks scored 134 points. 130 of those came from points in the paint, threes, or free throws, which is what the Mavericks want. And I I just, in terms of an offensive performance, you know, we we haven't even gotten into the particulars because it was kind of all over the map despite the Mavericks scoring 34 points. I would say the process involved for what Dallas wants to do looked as good as I can remember all season long. And, you know, that's ignoring, you know, that's not even getting into the fact that they had six uh, guys scoring double figures. Luca obviously went nuts with, with 42 and 11 and then seven rebounds, but the, the team looked pretty darn good from an offensive standpoint is that overstating things no i mean this is you talked about how it was basically at the rim threes and free throws and what have we been seeing in the mavericks during this losing slide is lucas settling for a lot of mid-rangers because he can't get all the way to the rim uh the spacing looking off because you have your seven three center who's not hitting threes and you're missing your elite roll man Uh, so you basically do not have a pick and roll big that can do much of anything uh, it's making things cramped for Luca. You've got guys, spot up guys missing wide open shots. Like it was just the works. And this is what happens when they finally get some sort of vertical presence rolling down the lane. Dwight Pallet, three points in 17 minutes. Uh, or not three points, three, three of three from the floor, 17 minutes, uh, eight points. And I know it wasn't huge, but like he got points off the pick and roll. Like he had a dunk. I think he had a couple of layups. Like, and they're, pretty much out of what you know luca creating in the pick and roll if they hadn't been getting that for most of this year uh christoph's Porzingis was 7 of 18 from the floor 18 points 0 of 3 from three kind of a bad game and he missed some shots that i think a lot of mavericks fans and uh, you know ourselves included rip our hair out but in terms of pro like process he was finally rolling off his picks he wasn't just flaring to the three-point line you know, he was mixing it up. He was being diverse. In the fourth quarter, I think he had another nice little rim run. Didn't didn't result in, in points, but it's more like, okay, that's what they have to do. And they made the Warriors respect them in a way that wasn't just Luka holding the ball and four guys standing and watching. Now, this isn't me trying to say, well, Luka just needs to give the ball up more and, and let these guys play because that's not, that's not it either. It's just they just needs to be a, a balance in between those two 
divergent ideas. You know, obviously it can't be, you know, Luca necessarily doing everything, even though he kind of did everything this game. But I'm just talking more about the movement. Like when this team has a big man that needs to be accounted for in the pick and roll, that makes Luca's life easier. He's able to yes. get to the rim a little bit better. Uh, he's able to to get better passing lanes. Like things just fit better and guys can move a little bit more. And that's really what they needed. Um, and it was nice that to culminate all of that, guys hit shots. Uh, Cleveland yes. four of nine, Finney Smith two of five, Richardson four of six. The only guy who had a bad game was was Tim Hardaway Jr. We can maybe save talking about him later. Yeah, we, we uh, have to. Did you see the yeah. slack with what he got? What? I didn't sound Freaking like I Carlisle said. gave him the defensive belt somehow. He was a trash can. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Uh, it, oh, gosh. The, uh, outstanding. We'll talk about Timmy later because that was the ultimate trick-or-treat Tim Hardaway game. I just don't even know what to do with myself on that. But I, you're, you're right. And, and, and just it was something watching. The only thing I would I would hope for is that if KP flashes, they have to get him the ball when he's open. And – Post touches, post passes in that sort of, of angle is a, is a lost art in professional basketball. Nobody's good at it anymore because few people post up. Porzingis flashes and gets open and they need to give him the ball. Luca threw a number of atrocious bounce pass attempts that kept getting picked off. And that's one thing that they are going to probably look at. They'll see on film. Hopefully they will find a way to clear it up. And if KP doesn't get the ball, he needs to get the heck out. Because KP moving around is not that different than Luka driving in the sense that it, it gives the defense something else to think about. Um, he was 4-12 in the first half for 13 points, I think. And I did not know that he was that inefficient. And that's because he was doing stuff like moving around and getting in the lane. And, you know, he had 10 rebounds. He had a few offensive boards, which I felt were key. It was, by and large, a pretty, you know, statistically bleh Porzingis game for a guy who had 18 shots and eight, on 18 points. But he was different. Oh, he had five offensive boards. Nice. Um, what we really need to see from him as he's trying to figure out, you know, get his sea legs and or you know, figure out how to play confidently again. He needs those type of things to go right for him. And he had a few, there was a really cool pick and roll late with Tim Hardaway Jr. where Tim threw him a pass and it hit him in the top of his hands with his hands up. So he's seven foot three, his hands are in the air. So you're assuming it's like eight and a half feet in the air. And all he had to do was laid over the rim. And I say all he had to do, and that's not really fair. He was diving, so he had to, you know, do it without, like, throwing it off the bottom of the rim. And I know somebody, you know, people who haven't played basketball in a while might make fun of that. When there are three dudes around you, that's hard to do. And he really showed his his sort of his balance and his touch when he is, has things going. Um, sometimes I really think he makes the game unnecessarily difficult on himself, as he did on a number of his shot attempts tonight. But the skill is there. What we need is the fire. And he showed that often enough tonight to really make a difference in a game where if you look at his box score, it's kind of like, well, what, what's happening here? You know, it was neither a good nor a bad game in the box score. But in terms of like what I saw from the eye test, I thought it was probably the most hopeful game I've seen since the, since the Pacers game. Yeah, exactly. It's something like the the stats weren't necessarily all the way there, but if he plays like this again, especially against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Monday, 
Like you could see him have a big, you know, you could see him have like a 28 point night or something like that, you know? Um, So they just need to kind of bottle up what they did in this game and try to move it forward. And Kirk, we've now seen um, the Mavericks in two out of their last three games had offensive nights that are starting to resemble the team that we think that they could be even without, you know, losing the shooting of Seth Curry. Like they're, it's less about like, you know, there's a lot of it is about guys making or missing shots, which has been a huge problem all season, but just in terms of how they're getting those shots and how they're generating them. uh, I've seen a lot of encouraging signs in the last couple of games. Granted it's an Atlanta team that is, you know, not necessarily defensive powerhouse, a golden state team that was missing uh, a lot of guys and had to play, you know, Draymond at center the whole game. So we'll see. But to be honest, you know, Minnesota, you know, they're playing Minnesota, they're playing Atlanta, they're playing New Orleans. Like they're not, they've got some time now to kind of build their confidence back up against opponents that aren't just these huge giant buzzsaws. So long as they can avoid the game, like we saw Thursday, where they just kind of piss all over themselves for whatever reason. Well, the reason is they can't seem to play on a back-to-back, but they don't have a back-to-back for a while. They don't have one till the end of February. Um, so they play one, two, three, four, five, six more games before their, or seven more games before their next uh, second night of a back-to-back. So there's there's some opportunity here, and I'm I'm just encouraged uh, by the way they're playing in terms of offensive execution. Obviously, there's some things defensively that are are looking a little frightening. I think in the last couple of games, I mean, the Warriors shot almost shot 50-40-90 from this game. Uh, I know a lot of it is Seth. <laughs> I know a lot of it is Seth, but you know, still, you know, Baysmore and Wiggins. And then a lot of other guys kind of came off the bench and had some, okay, you know, just threw in some shots. So I don't, I don't know how much of that is, is just Seth going with bananas or the Mavericks defense is in a little, is in a little tizzy, but uh, I just, things look better. And I think when you look at the way the season's been going, and they got drubbed by Utah and in two straight games, and then guys started coming back. And then it's like, okay, they lost two to Phoenix, but they were close. Uh, they were close games, and they were competitive. Okay, they just got to take the next step and, and win. Then they did that against Atlanta. Uh, and then the back-to-back just kind of effed them up. And now it's like, okay, respond. They did. Now the next step is can they string wins together? Like it's clear that they're back to, I think, a baseline of competitiveness uh now they just need to be more consistent yeah yeah and there's the opportunity to steady themselves like you said one thing that i would like to talk about and so let's just make a little bit of a line of demarcation and say that we're really excited that the mavericks won and we think that there's a lot of opportunity moving forward for them to get their collective consciousness together. I do want to talk about some of the things that I didn't understand. Number one, I didn't understand why Jason, Jason, why Josh Richardson was on the bench for a good chunk of the crunch time. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith has not shown me enough. Is that unfair? He's not bad. I mean, Richardson didn't really show me enough either in certain aspects, but Dorian, I just don't like teams don't respect him on offense. And that becomes a bit of a problem. And there was that he ended up having to take the ball up past half court. That might have been the most harrowing eight seconds of my life. 
where, where he took the ball up on on a on an inbounds play because everybody else was sealed off. And I don't, you know, I, part of me understands why Carlisle wanted to keep Tim on the floor because Hardaway got hot for like five seconds. I mean, the guy still finished three of fifteen, so he wasn't that hot. Um, but he's you know a threat to to shoot like Dorian Finney-Smith. They just don't care. Teams don't care that he that he has the ball. So it, what do we make of that? Is is that anything or is that nothing? I think it's something. I mean, if Dorian Finney-Smith turns into like uh, grit and grind era Tony Allen, I mean, that's something you absolutely have to pay attention to if teams are going to abandon him. Uh, Now, to be fair, he did punish them a little bit. Uh, Curry, for some reason, like uh, he left them like, you know, guys are just kind of brazzingly doubling the Mavericks ball handlers and using the second defender, uh, whoever's guarding Finney-Smith. Steph did it uh, in the third quarter while the Warriors were in the middle of their huge run. But Dorian was in the corner, and it's like, you know, the, all the places you double off Dorian, it's probably like, you know, it's probably not the corner, uh, and he made it, and that was pretty funny. I, I don't know if this is like a Dorian Richardson, who are you picking thing for me? No, it's Tim. It's really yeah, Tim. it's Tim, because that, I understand that if I maybe went back and watched this game, maybe there are some things I, I did not see, but I, I think he not. played no, he played a disaster not. of a game to me. And yeah, he hit some shots some timely shots in the second half, but it was just really befuddling to me that Richardson, a guy who has been, you know, we talk about struggling and shooting. Like he is the poster boy, I think for the Maverick shooting struggles. I mean, he has just been uh, outrageously bad in a way that's like, even if you're like on the low end of his expectation, he's below that by far. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they finally got a good offensive game out of him. 17 points, 31 minutes, five of eight from the floor, four of six from three. And I was like, man, why aren't they milking this a little bit more? Uh, you know, and they kind of just kept Tim Hardaway out there. And I wonder, Kirk, if the thing is, if teams are going to treat Dorian Finney-Smith and they're going to dare the Mavericks to play uh, with a guy wide open and they're going to just leave him open, does is Carlisle thinking, okay, well, if I have Richardson out there instead of Hart, like I would rather have – the offensive guy because we need someone that I can rely on to make shots. Like I wonder if that was the thought process. Obviously this game, it was a little off because, you know, Hardaway I think had a really poor game, but I wonder if that's the thought process is that if teams are going to be so brazen with the double teams and they're going to leave Finney Smith wide open, maybe he's like, I got to compensate somehow. And Hardaway's like it or not, he's their best shooter and he's been a good shooter overall on the season so it might just be something they have to live with i'm going to be very curious about that going forward if the mavericks keep doing this or maybe it was just a one-off thing uh because carlisle in the moment felt like hardaway was the guy that needed to close the game yeah i mean i wouldn't be against seeing a small-ish ball lineup with with uh, uh you know hardaway and richardson just to see what it's like dorian is actually significantly like longer and taller than him, but Mm -hmm. it's not like Dorian is that good of an on ball defender either. (laughs) Like he's a really good help defender, but it just, some of this feels like, you know, six of one half dozen of the other. And I, I at least feel, you know, Dorian is the, the living embodiment of Stanley from the office dribbling in the basketball game. It's just out of control. I felt the same way you did when he was bringing the ball up the court. I think I can't remember. They were, you know, very late in the game. Wasn't that the, the, like the key possession. possession? And he's full court press, bringing it up the floor. I was like, Oh my God. Like I was seeing like 
uh what i don't know what is that eight second violation i was that was like ringing through my head so uh that didn't one happen though, i would so like good. to go one thing i would like to go look at again is the brunson minutes because i've sort of acquiesced off of my position of of mainly because I think they're using Brunson differently in, in terms of the fact that he's often like the scoring guard. He's not the play, you know, he's not the playmaking guard every time he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how he was negative 20. Was he negative? No, he was negative, uh, negative 14. That's hard away. There's negative 20 in 23 minutes. He had eight rebounds, which is some, you know, kind of nuts. And he shot the ball. Okay. He played pretty, it just, maybe it was just kind of a, that might be kind of, you know, Brunson being on the, the, the bad end of a, of, you know, the Curry minutes, which, yes. which seems likely. Probably. Um, we probably should at least, you know, give a hat tip to, to Dwight Powell, who in 17 minutes was perfect from the floor, three of three, five rebounds. Uh, his defense was terrible, but that's not really surprising, but his hustle was incredible. Uh, he made an uh, out of bounds save where he probably would have like killed three people on the sideline if there were you know people <laughs> there. Um, where he tipped the ball back in, yes. and you know that's sort of you know energy play for a team that is has at key moments really lacked it. It, it feels worth mentioning as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, he gave them. If he's playing 17 minutes, he has to score because we know that he is not a defender. And I actually mm-hmm. liked, I think they had a couple possessions where he got up on on Steph Curry in the pick and roll and they kind of trapped a little bit. And I think he, I don't know, I can't remember if, if Steph beat it or if the Warriors scored on those possessions, but I remember him staying pretty close to Steph uh, on a couple of defensive possessions, which was nice. And, you know, if if they can get some productive minutes out of him, I mean, that would be huge because they... They desperately need that vertical presence. And they desperately need more big guys that are threats when they're setting screens for Luca. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like the fact that he was able to contribute in that way is like kind of like a bonus because I understand the next. You know, it's kind of like I don't know what you're getting from him as he comes back from the Achilles. It's going to take a long time. Well, I don't. I don't think some of those touches are going to be there against against teams yeah. that play anyone taller than like yes. six six. <laughs> this so, helped. That helped. I mean, sure. it's it, it is what it is. You just you, you kind of get happy with it, and, and then you go away. I I will say it was. I mean, it, it's it's one of these things we should probably just be be delighted with and and walk away. But I will say that I'm I'm starting to be very curious about the fact that Carlisle for about five games now has played a playoff rotation. These guys' minutes are starting to get heavy. Um, you know, Johnson didn't play. A one dude didn't play. Uh, Trey Burke played all five minutes and didn't really play poorly, but he just didn't play more. Um, everyone else was a DNP and, and that might be purely matchup related, but it's worth paying attention to because it's a long season with a lot of condensed games. And we've already kind of had some concerns, um, about both, you know, KP and Luca and I don't know, it's just, it's something that I want to, I want to keep a close eye on because, you know, it's hard it's hard to be unhappy if one of these guys has an off night when they're, if they're just getting, you know, ground to dust, you know, it, game to game, you forget this, but then you look back at their minutes totals and it's like, man, Luca played 38 minutes again. Um, and that's not what you want for, for teams that have to play is, is, am I overthinking that? Yeah. But that I think you're, I don't know if you're, you're not overthinking it. I think it's, it's valuable to bring up because, if we are in April or May in the second half of the season and Luca looks 
like cruddy we're, we'll probably look back to these games and be like you know this is why the COVID stuff stunk and then the way the season kind of got detonated a little bit in the first half stinks because you really had to overextend Luca maybe more than you'd like but the counter to that of course is like what do you <laughs> what are you gonna what are you gonna do Right. Uh, he played 38 minutes, scored, had one of his best games ever, 42 points. He had seven threes, and they they won by two. Um, so like he plays Kirk. If he plays 33 minutes, they probably lose by 12. Um, so I think you're right, but I think it's Carlisle understanding. Like they got the win, and that's great. They are still 10 and 14. Um, mm. they the road is still very you know there's still a long road ahead of this team despite the fact that there's still plenty of time in the season to turn around it's like you're fighting two things like yes there's plenty of time but they can't they have to string some wins together they can't they can't keep hovering you know four to five games below 500 like they can't play five you know they can't play even a 500 ball from here on out or till the end of the first half is is an improvement over what we saw before then you're still you know you're still buying the eight ball you're still four games below 500 and that's not going to help so i think it's i think it's carl understanding that they the the margin they had for for maybe stealing some luca rest here and there like that's just gone like that reality doesn't exist anymore yeah and you're right though knowing that we should look and and see how that stacks up as we get into the second half of the season and and see how that progresses. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Well, it dawns on me due to my mentions, we didn't actually talk about a key player to the game and Maxi Kleba who hit essentially the game, the game ceiling three pointer. Uh, Great pass from Luca. Love to see the confidence. Really glad to see Maxi hit that shot. He's had some chances over the years. It's not the first time Luke has done that. I also don't think it's the first time that Maxie's been kind of the hero. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm ple- It's really nice to see that uh, because Luke, like, like Maxie actually had a phenomenal stat line. 16 points, 8 boards, 4 assists, um, 0 turnovers, and 3 fouls. Now, <laughs> I do want to point out, just because <laughs> people think people want to ratio me, um, Maxie has made some unbelievably stupid decisions at the end of games the last two years. Like th- this is not a thing that that is up for debate. Uh, he was re- he was solely responsible for three losses that I can think of without even looking, where he either didn't foul or rotated unnecessarily or just did something. So it was really great to see him. You know, after fouling Steph Curry on a layup attempt, which was a terrible foul. He did it at least three times that game where he said, and you know, maybe that's just Curry being an MVP level player. Let's, let's throw it up to Curry there, but Max is a good defender. And to see him foul like that was mind boggling. And I'm really glad that, that he hit the three because that would have been a very frustrating way to lose a game. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's good that he got that back. I mean, he is, you know, when the Mavericks were struggling in terms of having a big man that is uh, a threat in the pick and roll, uh, I mean, Maxi missed all of those games with COVID and he's been their best uh, pick and roll offensive producer just because his pick and pops have been outrageous. He's just, mm-hmm. he has been shooting the lights out. I mean, he is, I think he was entering this game, he was 46% from three, or he might be 46% after this game. Either way, I mean, it's, he, he's either that or he's a little bit higher. Uh, yeah. And he's been, he's been tremendous. And his, his steady growth from where he was his rookie year to now is just, is pretty crazy. And he's like, he's been the one, him and Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, when you look at, 
Tim's overall season. They've been like the two role player Mavs immune to a lot of the weird regressive shooting performances. Like he has been pretty much rock solid since game one. Problem is he just hasn't played a lot of games because of COVID. Right. Uh, so it was just, you know, that was just great to see because he, if he's going to be on the floor, like he has to hit those spot up threes as we saw, you know, in the bubble and in the playoffs when the Mavericks kind of ask a lot from him when the, you know, on the defensive end, that's kind of sometimes, you know, drain his legs uh, when he wants to shoot uh, on the offensive end. Uh, thankfully, you know, the Mavericks roster is whole. And when the, you know, he's just such a great, he's such a great guy to have on your team when you're the whole, your whole team's there. Like he's not going to be a guy that if you're missing guys and you're like, crap, you know, we need someone to step up and, and score some more points or do some, you know, he's not going to be that guy for you, but when you're fully healthy uh, or you got most of your guys back, you got most of your rotation in there. Like he just, he glues together so much uh, with his game, his versatile game. So yeah, I'm, it was, it was a tremendous game for him, but, but also, you know, to all the people giving you so much grief about that tweet, like, I mean, you were right in the moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, that's what we'd be, ta- like, we'd be talking about that. Well, that yeah. would have been what we led with if the Mavericks had lost. We'd have been like, man, yep. who fell on the dude? But, you know, we didn't. So who cares? Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. care if people, I don't really care if people ratio me. It's mostly just funny where it's like, come on, guys. Like, we've all, we've, we've watched all these games. What are we, what are we doing here? Well, I don't really think we have too much more or really anything to talk about. We've, we, you know, we've been inadvertently going a little longer than I think we would like on these podcasts. But, uh, you know, it's nice to get a win and it's nice <laughs> to talk about a win. Win. yeah um, hey why not it's better better to go long on a game that's exciting and ends in a good way than holy crap these last couple of losses so yeah, we'll take it. yeah yeah and it's funny because like luca had 42 points and i think he could have had like 55 if he just would have you know hit some friggin' layups that he missed like the he was so funny about himself he, he he's so critical of his own game which makes like the the nonsense narratives that spring up around him so funny because he's just got so Every time we wonder like where he is and oh, is this, you know, how can he get better? And it's like you watch him play a game and you know, the guy is so talented. There's just gonna be nights in the next, you know, three to five to ten years, however long he's a maverick, who cares? Where we're just like absolutely in awe. And tonight was one of those games where yes. he was fairly sloppy, but still outstanding. Yes. He I don't know what else really to say other than it was really nice to see that the way the Mavericks were playing offense, he scored a lot of one-on-one baskets near the rim and in the paint. Uh, and that was nice. Having have not seen that a lot this season, despite the fact that he's still been, you know, really good for the most part. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the Warriors fans were large mad about how he was reft and he got fouled <laughs> a lot. Like <laughs> this happens. It's, he goes through games where he doesn't get calls at all. So it was really, I don't know. It was something. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll be back in two days because uh, that's really the nature of this season. So it's just before midnight on Saturday. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will uh, talk to you in probably less than 48 hours. 